2: Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast, Ben Ballas here, thank you for joining us, hope you're doing well. We're doing what we call a fan therapy pod for you all tonight, a nice casual, cruisy show to fit the mood currently permeating throughout the Celtics fan base, the Celtics 1 and 3 after the All-Star break, not great, not great at all. We're going to get into that and of course some of the top posts from Celtics Reddit over the past week, bless you Jackson. (laughs) Joining us from up there in beautiful Newcastle, it's Jackson aka Rickman
1: Lives. welcome Jackson, how's things? Um, um i've got a cold obviously no i don't know it's just been flooding here in newcastle i thought i muted my microphone then so yeah my apologies um yeah um i'm, I'm all right i guess <laughs> could be yeah. better for many reasons but i'm sure we'll get
2: into that but thank you it's happy to i'm happy to be here great yeah we're, we're definitely getting into it in a second uh, and of course we've got the man the myth larbird 33 it's currently 2 a.m his time uh how you doing sir thanks for staying up how's things oh uh,
0: man you know it's good yeah. fuck it let's just tank let's just tank the season yeah right
2: <laughs> yeah it's not the worst idea
0: <laughs> how are you guys doing i heard that you're getting like insane amounts of rainfall
2: yeah it's raining yeah. pretty heavily here at the moment you know it's just um it's kind of a fitting thing right like it's it's raining shit on the celtics and their fans it's currently <laughs> raining very very heavily and in, in, completely in symbolic
1: and appropriate yeah
0: yeah so it's fine it fits the mood um no flooding or anything though right you guys are you guys are good where you're at where you're at
1: yeah no flooding in my area but i mean i mean not my very very specific area but like around me yeah shit shit, yeah, flooding everywhere wow yeah. yeah It's not, not so much flooding here But
2: there's torrents of water um, Going down the streets I guess that's technically flooding But uh, I was I, I sent you guys a video But I was standing on the footpath today Like filming it As a bus drove by this guy And it's like completely Splashed Wet him. the shit out of him That's so yeah. good And then he got mad He got mad and like shook his fist at the bus And because he stood there in that spot Which is obviously a danger zone Another car drove past and splashed him again Which I didn't get on video oh, But still very funny So <laughs> it's not all bad <laughs>
0: Yeah, everyone, like, thinks of Seattle as being, you know, really rainy here, but I was reading on, uh, you know, we get, like, I guess, 37 inches per year. Again, sorry, metric system and all that, but uh, we get about 37 inches per year. I was reading there was a part of Australia that had, like, half of that in, in, like, 24 hours, so I was wondering how you guys are doing. But, yeah, it's good to hear you're you're not flooding, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) we have 150 millimeters, which is 15 centimeters, which is... Six inches, <laughs> something <laughs> like that, I think. <laughs> if I work, nice job yeah, There we go. <laughs> Real
2: mouse. Yeah. Uh, look, let's bring it back home here. Let's start with.
0: <laughs> you want to talk about the Celtics, really? You want to talk about yeah. them? Right? I think like yeah. we need to. I, this it. is why
2: we call it a fan therapy pod. It's just like talk it out, vent. Uh, I think it's helpful for the listeners. It's certainly helpful for me. So let's just let's just get it out there. I really have no run sheet, no, you can't no preparation. Just transition
0: today. to a all all Top Shot podcast. <laughs> <laughs> look, I'll, I'll,
2: I'm very open to that. If it if it you know if it descends into a Top Shot podcast, that's uh, that's fine. But we should start with the loss to the Cavs today. Tatum and Brown both statistically had good games and yet we lost the game. La Bird, like do you think Tatum and Brown need to do more here or is it more on the supporting cast who are to blame?
0: If I, Tatum seemed like he was doing quite a lot down the stretch as well as Brown. They're both playing great, I think, for the most part. Uh yeah, it's just the supporting cast. Our supporting cast is, is garbage right now. Um I mean if you don't have Kemba out there then we don't really have much helping them, so we're losing to you know seems like the Cavs. it definitely seems like we need to shake something up before the trade deadline or really i mean i made i made the joke earlier but we're at 500 right now with half the season more than half the season over yeah it's not looking good no
2: the hawks the hawks are above us in the in the standings currently which i don't know if that's ever happened <laughs> like ever <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy um jackson what do you stand on on the, the situation right now Cavs game and and beyond the last time the Hawks were above us,
1: Jeff T was an All Star. So let that sink in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> holy um, shit! I wow. <laughs> think things um, change. I think I joked um, maybe a month ago. Uh, We'd we think this is painful, but how painful would it be if we got knocked out in a playing game to, to the Hornets on a Terry Rozier or a Gordon Hayward buzzer beater? Um, <laughs> that won't happen because the Hornets are going to finish well above us and probably safely <laughs> in the playoff spots, and we'll be battling it out with the Hawks or the Knicks. Um, yeah, to answer your question. Um, I think it would be Tatum and Brown. are am playing perfect by any means. You know they've had their they've had their stretches where they haven't been great. I think they weren't that great in the first half, and that's where the majority of the problems seem to grow uh, from this game. You know the, the age old you know dig ourselves a hole, try and get out of it, and then fail to do so. Um, so yeah, I think the sporting cast does need to do more, but at the same time, I mean, how much more can they do? How many? How much better can the guys that we have? uh get you know what I mean I mean Time Lord aside who I'm sure we'll probably talk about as the one ray of light um that's ha- come out of the last few games um I just don't feel like the, the the depth is there in the squad and the quality's not there so um we're going to be asking these guys to really and Kemba, of course who was out today which you can you can sign some of the Um, the reason to that, I guess. But um, Mm. yeah, I I just don't think the squad is really strong enough. I'd like to think it will get better and we can play, you know, like an old Brad Stevens sort of team that's the underdog that's gritty. They can get back to it. But I just don't think it's in these guys. Yeah, it does does certainly seem
2: that way. And a lot of people throw the blame towards Brad Stevens. And yet, like we've seen him kind of coach much less good looking teams, at least on paper, to, Mm. to deep playoff runs. And so... It's really hard to put your finger on it. I know that we, you know, people listen to a podcast, people talk about the Celtics. It's like you come and listen to people talk about the Celtics for answers. And that answer is sort of hard to come by at the moment. You know, we've, we could say it's a personnel issue, but we've done podcasts where we've talked about how we, we basically have the same top eight uh, as we had last year when we did our deep playoff run. Obviously there are some variables this year that weren't present last year, like COVID-19, like Tatum recovering from COVID-19, Smart with his injury, Kemba missing back to backs. There are some differences, but you know, with what we've seen from Brad Stevens coach teams before, almost in a Spursian kind of way, personnel isn't isn't supposed to matter. Um, but then again, we've got a lot of young, you know, rookies and sophomores on this team. Maybe it does matter. Maybe we need to shake up um and i'm just so sick of the three letters t p e you know we've we've talked about it all year we've mm. talked about all the candidates you know we know who's potentially available who we can bring onto this team and i'm i'm so i'm so sick it's such a first world problem and i'm so sick of it like i just want that moment the trade deadline to come and go and so we all know what's happening what is up you know are we looking to improve this team are we going to hold off to next season who can we reasonably get um, it's just at this point now where I think everyone's lost their patience. Uh, and even listening to Jason Tatum talk in his post-game presser today, he was clearly out of patience as well. He seemed very, very frustrated with the situation. Can't blame the guy. Uh, on the Reddit side of things, on the post-game thread, this is the, the top most upvoted comment on the post-game thread by user Clayish, who wrote, we suck, <laughs> which just sums it up well perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Bird, do, do you think like... Tell me, tell me, everything's gonna be okay, LaBird. Like Like, uh, can we, can we uh, get, like, can we get out of this hole? What do you think?
0: You, you, yeah, I mean, you touched on it earlier. So, if we're looking for the the optimistic take, it's still that same thing where we have essentially the same team that we had that made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. If you're talking about the playoffs, because Hayward wasn't available, so you can make an eight man rotation or a nine man rotation, and all you're really doing is changing Wanamaker to Pritchard. And you could, you know, theoretically have that same team. And with more practice time and with the fans back, maybe, you know, even at the limited capacity fans, maybe they give them a little bit of motivation, a bit more time to actually prepare for the games because it doesn't sound like they're practicing at all. That's that's the positive side of it, which is that, you know, once we get to the playoffs, presumably they'll they'll actually try harder and, and be more focused and, and uh, we'll have more minutes to guys like Tatum and Brown you know you'll normally play those guys like 40 plus minutes in the playoffs we could be still dangerous like it wouldn't count this team out at all but yeah right now it it definitely it's starting to feel more and more like those uh early 2000s Celtics teams with Walker and Pierce and I guess you know Kemba's kind of like our Kenny Anderson and then you have guys like Thompson who's like our Mark Blount and uh you know we just you know we're just waiting for someone else to step up We got Smart back recently. He's making contributions, but we haven't really seen everyone at full speed yet. Um, you know, maybe Romeo Langford is going to step in next oh, week and post COVID and just shock the world.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so much pressure on Romeo Langford. Like all the posts on Reddit, Twitter, like, oh, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine when Romeo Langford comes yeah. back. Like, I actually <laughs> do not envy this guy at all. <laughs> Jackson, do you share any of that optimism? Do you think that there's some hope for this team or are you ready to give up and and fade for Cade, as it were? I think,
1: I think the one thing I'm going to gravitate to that, that, that um, that Lyle Bird said was the practice thing. I think, um... If you've got a team that is less talented than your opponents, then I guess the only way you can really beat them is if you play really good, solid team basketball. And the only way you can develop that well like a, a key part of that is practice and then you got to put it obviously that into play in the game so it does it does feel a lot like it's just a lot of give in the ball give brown the ball uh shit's marcus smart's turn he'll jack up a three sort of situations Well, it's very iso heavy and it's not really there's not a lot of um you know cohesiveness around so i think if we got a little bit more practice or just any practice whatsoever i think you would see a bit a bit of an uptick but um so yeah i like i like that that idea that if we can practice more particularly going to the playoffs, then we might, you know, we might have that underdog factor back again and that just might suit us a little bit more. But at the same time, it's, I think this is just who we are,
0: unfortunately. Yeah, Jackson, you, you, touched, on, you touched on this also, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago where you were saying that some of it's probably a motion, motivational thing when, where they are a young team. And I just keep thinking back to like, I'm not comparing this team to this team, but the, the Shaq, Kobe, Lakers, where they would just kind of dog it for the whole season and then come playoff time they would try. <laughs> yeah. And I mean and, the, and I'm not again I'm not comparing us to that team because obviously that team won three championships but the whole mentality there was like they had done it they'd been there and they just didn't really have the they they couldn't get excited for regular season games and I, I do wonder if that's happening right now if Tatum and Brown they've very very young age they've made it to two Eastern Conference finals and they're now playing with no no fans in attendance no practice mm-hmm. And they must just be like, eh, whatever. Once the playoffs come around, we'll be fine. And right now, they're they're sitting in the seventh seed, and and they're playing a little bit of a dangerous game because they could still potentially fall out in the playoffs. But, but really, I mean. Once the playoffs come around, we should be fine, I think. I mean, still, I'm still holding on to that hope that once the playoffs come around, we'll be fine.
2: Yeah, it's very 98 balls of us, right? You know, we've got our (laughs) MJ in, uh, I I guess, uh, Jason Tatum. We've got our Pippen in in Jalen Brown. We've got our our Rodman in Marcus Smart and and our sort of philosophical coach there, our our Phil Jackson in in Brad Stevens. And, you know, we know we're awesome. We don't give a shit. Like, we're just going to turn it on. in the playoffs and that's fine i'm kidding of course but uh we're clutching at straws at this point um there's a reddit user deport the fort 20 who made a post got more upvotes than our episodes normally do on celtics reddit go figure uh (laughs) who else is surprised and they go on to say i thought this would be an easy w but i guess the celtics had other plans getting very tired of this um were you guys surprised i mean it's the obvious follow-up question with this Cavs game are you getting to the point where you go into a game like this, you know, second night of a back-to-back, no Kemba against a team that we should easily beat, and then we lose to them? Does that surprise you at this point in the
1: season? You know what? It is it is the it is the below 500 teams that kind of, like, bother me the most. Like, you, you play the Jazz, you play the Nets, you play the Sixers, you know, I'm not expecting a win, but... We always seem to be competitive in those games. We do seem to fall off like rather regularly and consistently like in the clutch, which is concerning in itself. But I I don't remember a game, probably bar the the Brooklyn game on Christmas where we played a team that was supposedly like much better than us and we really looked second best. I, I can't think of any other example. That that, uh, at least come to mind so yeah again it probably lends itself to a mentality thing a complacency thing and that can be symptomatic of young teams so you know as much i would love i'd love to think that it is just that mentality of like oh it's it's the it's the calves or it's the pistons or it's the kings or it's you know etc etc so you know whatever we're not really going to try and we ended up just getting you know punched in the mouth and I thought we would have maybe learned from it by now, but I do Again, if if it is just one of those, we'll just take it easy until it becomes crunch time. Then sweet. But I think being at five hundred in the seventh scene and in the play in position at the moment, I would I would like to see I would like to see us just take these games a little bit more seriously. So yeah, Kings on Saturday. I'm I'm worried about that. I'm worried more about that if than if we were to play you know the Clippers or the Lakers or someone of that ilk you
2: know yeah if this was the clippers if we played the clippers today we win Easy that game win. 100 times Easy out of 100 win,
1: yeah. <laughs> full strength cl- clippers side
2: <laughs> but of course it's the calves and it's uh is his name dean wade <laughs> is that his name dean wade just absolutely crushed us back breaking three late in the game dean wade unbelievable i'm sorry uh la bird do these losses surprise you at this point in the season
0: I feel like I, just, I could just make up a bunch of things that we can grasp, more straws to grasp <laughs> at. Um, you know, coming off of back-to-back against Utah, who's the has the best record in the NBA, we played them t- tight. It was a bit of a disappointing loss. Maybe that just led to us just not really giving a shit tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of little things. We're, we're a few days away from fans being let in, I think the 22nd, and we're a week away from the trade deadline. And I imagine there's a little bit, a bit of that uncertainty, too, because... Obviously, everyone on the team is to a certain extent available. Yeah. Um, maybe aside from Tatum and Brown, so had good games I Imagine today. a lot of guys.
2: Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: right. But everyone else must be. You know, there there must be just like you know. Let's see what let's see what happens when the dust settles. Um, there's a lot of things. You know, we put, I don't know if we'll make a trade. I feel like a lot of what Danny's saying right now in the media, where he's like, ah, you know, we're our options are better in the offseason. There's truth to it. But I do I do feel like that's partially posturing. I, I think they'll probably go hard after someone like Barnes. And even even a smaller move, just trading someone like Thompson for uh, another wing can make a big improvement. If they're not going to play someone like Neesmith any minutes and not even try to develop him, then getting someone who can play minutes is a good idea. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's moves they can make. And even the buyout market, there's options. we rumored to be potentially going after someone like LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, any kind of talent that we can add to that bench and add a little bit of depth is a potentially good thing that will help us a bit. So uh not surprised by the loss because I just feel like right now we're kind of in this little holding period before the calm before the storm or, you know, at least until we focus for our final half of the season and our final playoff push. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I had this reserved for the Reddit recap later, but this was posted by a user Smart Celtics, and it's just a it's a danger cart tweet, Ryan Bernardoni, friend of the show, happy to say, who tweeted, Either you think this team is good enough to invest future future assets into, or you don't, and so should be trying to sell at least Tice, Thompson, and Augelet if you can get anything for them. And then in brackets, and Kemba too, but that probably has to wait. For the offseason um so a little bit ew, like, it's, like it sounds like the, the commonality between us and, and i'm sure a lot of fans is that we're sort of struggling to figure out what the identity of this team is and very reminiscent of that 2019 team as well and if nothing else the trade deadline might serve to answer that that you know that very major question among the fan base is like where where are we headed here and depending mm-hmm. on whether we're buyers or sellers at the uh, at the deadline there um we might at least get some closure in terms of like, okay, like we, we kind of understand the trajectory or at least the planned trajectory of this team going forward. Um, yeah. Any thoughts um, on that at all, Jackson?
1: I, I would say probably if we, you think about what the Bucks have done, right? They gave away a shitload of picks to get Drew Holiday, and then they gave away even more picks to get um, PJ Tucker and um, that Latvian Karukas, I think his name is, um, Shooter. Now, R-Rodion. if that's a trick- <laughs> name, yeah. you like choke his girlfriend or something out anyway never mind um i'll google (laughs) it um uh so yeah if we did that not that like that would necessarily fit our team but i think the bucks are doing something where they've failed in the playoffs a couple of times they're probably in the back of their mind thinking shit if we don't like look like we're serious here we're probably gonna, gonna risk losing Giannis to a lakers or someone like that so they are going after it but you know that can it it might reek of of desperation to some people or it might look like they're just they've identified what their their identity is and they're looking to strengthen that and they you know picks be damned you know future assets be damned we're going to make a run now and we're going to make ourselves the strongest we can be so there's definitely i would like to see us do that like if we have to give up if we have to like you know break the bank to get the players that we need then we should but are the players that we need and we've been over this so many times are they out there are they available so As much as it it sucks to see a sort of, you know, the uncertainty and, and, you know, somewhat of a stagnation to a degree of just this team not really knowing what its identity is and not really going after it, you know, are you going to be able to strengthen that or improve that or really define your identity with the players that are available there? Or is it going to come in the offseason? So, you know, these are decisions that Danny Ainge in the front office has to make. And I think he's damned if he does and damned damned if he doesn't while the results are the way that they are. So it's not an easy position to be in, but you 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 can't tolerate this kind of again it's complicated it's way more complicated and I don't want to be reactionary because a lot of people are being reactionary but it's it really is like the more you think about it like a really tough position you know to be in to be honest Middle of the pack
2: mediocrity, I yeah. think is yeah how I would describe it. It's like who are we? And this is kind of not. I mean, some of the some of the best teams ever have always like they they've always bottomed out at that sort of eight to ten seed, which is kind of where we're at now. And you know, great teams like the Jazz, like the Heat, they never really tank. Like they just kind of get as bad as they can be while trying to be good, and then find a way to get better. So I like to think that we're in that kind of tier of team. And I'm not saying that we're going to finish out the season in the 10th seed, but like maybe this is the calm before the storm. Maybe this is something that we look back on with glee in the future and think, oh, that was terrible before it all got better. Like Mm. I do have some faith that we are that kind of franchise, um, but, you know, we live in the present. We're reacting to what happened today and in the last couple of weeks. And at the moment, it fucking sucks balls. So uh, on, on like on that. So Jason Tatum on the frustration of this stretch this was posted to the sub by Horseshoe overlook and it's a J King tweet uh, Tatum said it's tough, but we're all in this together, so we're going to figure it out so so the reason <laughs> I wanted to we've talked about whether or not they could figure it out we've talked about reasons for optimism, but what about the angle of does ange need to make a move to appease Tatum we've talked about it in recent weeks, but you know as it continues to clearly become more frustrating for Tatum there. Does he need to put maybe his ultimate future plan aside, Danny Ainge that is, and make some sort of mood, move rather, to appease Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to to sort of limit those frustrations and show them that we're trying to be a franchise to support them to the ultimate goal of a championship, Blabert?
0: Well, I don't know if they can really make any move right now that's going to realistically on paper put them on the level of a team like Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. who's still dominating team since one six in a row and is now tied for the best record in the East. So I don't know if there's really any move they can realistically make that anyone's going to consider them a, a real threat to beat Brooklyn or even Philly or Milwaukee. So, I mean, they're, they're probably going to end up in that f- fourth to eighth seed range. And I don't really know if it matters where they end up in that range. I mean, obviously if they end up stuck against Brooklyn in the first round, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, this can happen. This stuff can change quickly. We're only at, uh, a game and a half out of the four seed, which is Miami right now, which is funny because for most of this season, Miami was like the bottom in the standings and they shot right up like a rocket. Mm-hmm. We could do the same thing. I mean, we could do the same thing. I don't know if Ainge has to make any move. I don't think he has to, but it, it does seem like the, you know, they need to go back to the drawing board and, and and figure out what rotation works and they haven't really done that yet. And, and some, I mean, I really do think they have to make some move. They have to do something. Like, I don't really know, uh, you know, we we love Tice on the show, but this is the last year of his contract, and there's a decent chance he just walks. I mean, I haven't heard anything about them guaranteeing that he's staying, so why would you keep him if you think there's a decent chance he's going to walk? You could probably get something for him. Yeah. And right Mm -hmm. now, with with Time Lord putting up great stats off the bench, like, I don't really know why you would keep him either way. Like, either move Tice or Thompson or... Someone for a, a small forward or, or or move Time Lord for a big huge upgrade at a, in a huge package. But I don't really understand the whole standing pat thing. Like I, I of all the years I do feel like this is the one where Inge is more than likely to do something, but I wouldn't be stunned if we did nothing. I would just be a little disappointed and I'd be a little confused because there's there's obvious holes on this team. And I guess if that happens, then we just start looking at the buyout market and we just kind of keep kicking the can down the road and moving goalposts. But it does feel like something has to happen.
2: So, I tried to keep my miscellaneous notes to good points only knowing that, you know, the ultimate goal of this podcast is to try and make us and everyone else feel better. And it's it's just peppered with notes related to Time Lord. Um, and it was great. And his, his injury history and his, his um, conditioning has been a concern. But, you know, we saw him sort of bang or it looked like even hyperextend his knee today and ultimately he came back into the game there and he was just he's been actually a really bright spot over these last four games and uh he's passing he's cutting off the ball he's finishing his defense and his role in the team defense like talking out the defense you could see him yelling at guys getting them in position um it's just a, a very very you know you mentioned that we're clutching at straws like I'm clutching to that fucking straw so hard right now because there's not much else going on. Um, Has has Timeboard helped you guys at all sort of therapeutically maintain your enthusiasm for this team? Because he certainly helped me. Definitely, definitely.
1: Um, I've been a big believer in him. For a while now, but you know, more just like blind optimism because you can jump really high. Um, but it helps. <laughs> he's he's one of those guys that now when he's on the court, you feel his presence. You know he's out there. I can't say the same for Daniel Tice. I can't say the same for Tristan Thompson. I can't say the same for Semi Ojeleye. Down, down, down the list. When he's on there, there there is a difference. There's a tangible difference in the offense and even in the defense. And I think it. I think like your words starting to get out around around the league of like you know what he's capable of or what he can do so if that's going to like disrupt offenses or if that's going to you know uh, give us any kind of edge whatsoever then um you know unless you can trade him i know that's what you asked but unless you can like trade him for like a serious serious upgrade in a package and get something that's going to like make us contenders now i would not be touching him a- at all you know as far as i'm concerned like hot taking coming man i would have him like third underneath Brown for most untradable guys. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, I know that's probably a little bit much, but like, it, it, I'm just, I'm just so high on him, and I think everyone's like starting to come around to you know the potential that he's got. So you know, if we can keep him and he can become develop, um, you know, and and get better and better, like health permitting, then you know, there's a center that we have for for years and years to come. And I think he's a good compliment to, to Tatum and Brown. To be perfectly honest, but. Um, yeah, you know again clutching at straws because it's not resulting in wins it's not it's not really and I think he had a, and I think you had a, a negative plus minus of like 13 or something today so I might be wrong about that but um it, it's at least a positive and it's at least something to sort of be optimistic about you know after, once you get past you know Tatum and Brown's uh, potential of course
2: yeah well I suppose the other argument is that Time Lord's trade value may never be this high it's at its peak what, yeah. what do you think about
0: that mm-hmm. LaBird yeah he, maybe He's, <laughs> is know. he 24 is he 24 now yeah. um thereabouts yeah. well i was i was early to the bandwagon i guess of thinking that he was our best big and i guess the season has just kind of strengthened that uh, feeling but i don't know i mean his trade value i think is probably the highest of our our young guys other than tatum and brown mm-hmm. right now it seems like that's the case and i think pritchard's up there too. And you would think that Romeo and, um, and Neesmith would have trade value, but they just, they're just they just mystery boxes. Like nobody really knows what they are. And they haven't played any minutes. So the idea of trading them, I just can't imagine trading them without getting, you know, trading them for, for nothing, more or less. And that's a bad idea. So of our, of our tangible guys that are playing, he seems like the one that has probably the most trade value. Uh, you asked, the earlier question was, you know, if he's a bright spot. Yeah, he's a bright spot right now. And, and I love what I'm seeing from him. And it's just going to be... It's going to be really confusing to me if we just stand pat and like, oh, yeah, we're good with our three bigs still, and we're good with Time Lord in the third third option on the bigs. Like That wouldn't make any sense to yeah. me. I just don't think... I don't, I don't think all season it hasn't worked. And I get keeping minutes... You know, I, I get the idea of continuing to play Thompson and, and uh, Tice, big minutes, because they're our veterans and we're lacking veteran players. And also, I think... <laughs> I, I honestly I feel like if you just start benching Thompson it's a it's a bad look for his trade value. You want to keep him getting minutes. But now we're like a week away from the trade deadline. <laughs> One of those guys I feel like has to go. Yep. And I'd be surprised if they don't do it. It just I it would be really confusing. Like we're at five hundred right now. Why not just throw Time Lord out there and, and let him do what he does? Like I don't see a path where we're like contending with Thompson and Tice as key key players with Tom with Time Lord off the bench. Just don't see it. So either you trade a bunch of guys for a Vucevic and get a major upgrade or you trade one of those guys and just start doing all in on the developing of Time Lord. I just don't get the idea of three of them past the next week. So we'll have lots to talk about after trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, right now, I'm just like, hmm. you know, hold, sitting sitting back and seeing what happens. But
2: yeah, it's a holding baton at this point. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've ummed and denied about it at all gear. And, you know, I think on the last podcast alone, I was like, Harrison Barnes is the guy. And I've kind of deviated from that opinion in that, like, I understand... Like the the theory behind bolstering that starting lineup and, and, you know, getting Tatum and and Brown and Harrison Barnes all as these very versatile, switchable wings all in one lineup. But if you can move Tristan Thompson, if you can use um, some or all of the DPE to actually bolster the bench, and because if you look at the numbers, like the, the bench scoring disparity between us and our opponents over the last four games or so is... I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but I checked them earlier, very much in favor of the opponent. And it's a consistent flaw with this team. And if we can get, you know, a, a guy like George Hill out there instead of Jeff Teague, for example, and other equivalents of those switches, you know, lower salary guys that- uh um that that could be acquired by the Celtics we we have assets we've got you know all of our first round picks we've got the TPE well we can plug some of those gaps i think that's when maybe we start to see a bit more longevity and it allows for guys like Tatum and Brown or Kemba to have the occasional off night because we've got sort of more reliable backups that can like quite literally step up and and plug those gaps we just don't have that at the moment um it's depth in in a word is a problem for us
0: I would push back on that a little bit. Is like, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think that right now everyone's a little frustrated and we're impatient and we just want to think we want things to happen right away. Absolutely. I am <laughs> hundred. I am maybe I'm a hundred percent convinced that if we wanted to get Harrison Barnes or if we wanted to get Jeremy Grant or a number of those guys, even Vucevic, I believe that we have the assets to do it. Like a hundred percent believe this. I believe we could absolutely get one of those guys if that's what Ainge wanted to do. And so you asked earlier, like, Uh, is there pressure to, to appease Tatum? You know, maybe Ainge has to sit down with him and say, Hey, look, this is what the cost is to get Barnes. And if he's not going to do it, then he has to explain what the justification is to wait, you know, explain to him like, Hey, we're kind of just hoping that you guys are going to figure out the season. And then in the off season, we're going to get to Rosen for free or something like that. Like whatever the idea is, because otherwise it just doesn't, I mean, I just don't really understand so yeah, you add, sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained here, but like the idea of of standing pat just doesn't work. And I think you can still get one of those guys like Barnes and use him as an asset down the road for a Beal or someone else. Like as long as it's a two or three year contract, you can kind of uh, swap out that TPE for another tangible player that's making big money that can be used as salary matching. So I I feel like there's tons of motivation to do something right now for both the short and long term. And the only reason you wouldn't do it is if you really, really are convinced that oh, if I if I wait until the offseason, season, then I can get this other thing, and I'm not sure what that would be really. Mm-hmm.
2: Jackson, did Larry Nance Jr. pass his audition today,
1: and would he even want to play for the Celtics at this point? <laughs> um, yeah, who knows, man. Again, again, it's it's not it's not the sexy move. It's not the it's not the move that everybody you know wants to see, but you know it's. You're you're right. If 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 it means bolstering the bench and it means getting you know production from the bench and it just means you know plugging the gaps that we have, then you know I, I'd be in favor of it. Is that guy Larry Nance Jr.? Yeah, maybe. I'm sure he would help. I'm sure he could he could do a job. Um, but I mean, I don't. He didn't he didn't blow me away. Would he be useful? Sure. But I mean, I, with our other guys, I'd rather go after. I, I I think I would. I think he wouldn't be top of my list to be honest.
2: I thought he looked pretty sexy today. Uh was, you know, he was he was blowing me out of the out of the water or whatever the expression <laughs> was. I uh, it's very very turned on by Firelair and you Jr. Sorry, sorry, Lapo. What were you going to say?
0: No, I was going to say. I mean, you mentioned like George Hill. The, the point I was trying to make is uh, using that TPE for just little pieces here and there. I feel like that's a waste, and I'd be that would be the most disappointing thing to me because I think that would be by far the most puzzling to me. It's like, yeah, I get getting some role players, but. If you have an opportunity, and I do think we have the opportunity to get a, a bigger name talent with a larger chunk of that TP, it would just kind of confuse me that you're just eating into that for role players that are really not going to move the needle that much. But I mean, anything can happen. We'll see.
2: Yeah, and I I partially agree with you. And it's like you said, like we're impatient and we're not thinking rationally. And that that's me, you know. So we're just we're just talking it out here. That's what we're doing. Um, before we get to the remaining Reddit posts that we have sort of sidelined uh i my notes prior to the game today for for whatever this podcast was going to end up being was that you know ultimately i was kind of thinking okay we're going to talk about how we went two and two in this stretch after the all-star game obviously that didn't happen but with that i was going to kind of angle that the losses to the nets and the jazz were good losses in a way so sticking with the clutching at straws Sticking with the optimism angle, did you, I guess, prior to the to the loss today, feel at all like those losses were promising, good losses? Like we we looked good for the majority of those games, or am
1: I just like crazy, a crazy home Celtics fan at this point? No, I felt pretty good after the Jazz loss. To be fair, I mean, you talked about the bench. Um, if you've got Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles getting you thirty four off the bench and hitting like what eight threes, ten threes, something like that, then you know, that would be great if we could have something like that. So when that's like, when you're losing to because of like the differences like that and like, like an egregious disparity in free throws against one of the best teams in the NBA, then you can feel pretty good about about that kind of a loss. You, you can. And if, if you don't, then, I mean, I get it, losing sucks. But, you know, bigger picture here, it's not so bad. But when you like zoom out to an even bigger picture and you realize you've gone 0-8 against you know, the best teams in the league, you you know, um, your Nets, your Sixers, your Lakers, Jazz now, Suns, Um, and they all seem to reek of the same – the same pattern which is be competitive but just can't quite get it over the line at the end then you know that that still irks that still isn't isn't right and that that just screams that you know we need a fix or we need an attitude adjustment or we need you know better execution or or what have you but no after the after the after the um after the the jazz loss in particular i was feeling you know rather optimistic but um again you look at the the overall season record and it's you know it, it it's kind of it's kind of damning unfortunately
2: yeah, like at least we're playing the Cavs tomorrow. I guess it'll be
0: fine <laughs> until we lose to them. Bird, anything to add there at all? Obviously, no loss is a good loss. I mean, it sucks to lose, but seeing us hang tight with the bigger teams, I know we're 0-8 against them, but seeing us hang tight against the bigger teams when it's clear that our bench is like laughably bad right now, it's sort of encouraging. I mean, it's a, I guess, a moral victory in a certain to a certain extent. Um, There's stats that... Scal showed today on the broadcast which was just showing that uh our team's just been falling apart once Tatum sits out. Like our, our plus minus without him has been really bad. And that's all stuff that could be addressed even with a couple buyout candidates. So it's like hey, we've got we got our core in place. Smart's back, Brown and Tatum are back, Kemba's looking better yeah, just get a couple pieces here and then, you know, we could beat anyone on any given night and we can make, a uh, you know, anyone's life a living hell in the playoffs. We've proven this year after year we've overachieved Excite for them a couple years ago, but usually we overachieve. And uh, so seeing us hang tight at these, with these guys and not getting outright blown out is kind of a moral victory, I guess.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And it really just comes down to like, okay, let's just get to the trade deadline. Like, let's just see who we are. Let's see what the plan is. It's going to be a really illuminating Day, right? When hmm. we, we figure out what, what the moves are or aren't, and we figure out who we are and, and where we're going from there. Until then, it's just every win is and every loss, it's like a, an emotional tug of war. Like it's just pulling you in both directions, and we don't really know uh, where we stand. Uh, we've just got, uh, what have we got here? Four more Reddit posts to get to that we haven't managed to weave in to our discussion so far. I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on each of these and we're going to wrap it up. So the first one is by user BeanTown00, who writes, we must have the most predictable late-game offense in the league. And they're going to write, I'm going to try and summarize this, we have we have to have the most predictable offense ever down the stretch of games. Like, it must just be so easy to game plan for and coach against. We don't get easy shots for anyone and usually rush and make absolutely terrible decisions. It usually ends with someone taking an awful double or triple-teamed triple shot. Opposing coaches know that the ball is most likely going to be Tatum's be in Tatum's hand and that we might do this in a high pick and roll and just have him ISO against the mismatch and, and goes on to call out a few other sort of typical actions that we run. Um, So where is your confidence at in, in Brad Stevens and the offense at this point? Do you you think it's systematic? Do you think it's personnel based? Like we've touched on what's your reaction to Beantown zero zero's post here?
1: Um. Look, I, I I yearn for the days when we would have a timeout with maybe five seconds to go, and Brad would drop a play that most oh yeah most the of the time days, yeah 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 you know <laughs> yeah. The, my, my favorite my favorite one of all being the Jalen Brown three against the Jazz, um, just to name one. But um, I mean, yeah, I would like to see that creativity come back. But I mean, you know, Brad knows, knows his players. I mean, I mean, they obviously they obviously trust Tatum to hit the big shots, and he has hit big shots, you know, this season. Um, so it, it's not the worst option in the world to go to go with it. But I mean, there is definitely. There's there's definitely truth to that, that it it does become predictable. And I mean, if we can see it, us, you know, you know, fans of the game that aren't in any professional capacity associated with the team, then guys who get paid serious money to prevent these things from happening would have way more data and way more film and way more, you know, know know-how and how to stop this. And if it is getting stopped, and if it is predictable, then you know that's a real issue. And I I don't think Brad Stevens is incapable of you know bringing good plays out and getting. Other guys, in, um, you know, other guys the ball or other guys important shots. But I think that probably lies more with Tatum and Brown, you know, making other guys better and, you know, excelling as playmakers. So, um, and I, evidently they just don't have the confidence the other guys. So, yeah, I think I, I don't see that changing
0: this season, um, not without reinforcements. There was a point in the last couple of games where down the stretch we had some open Marcus smart looks and, and they didn't go in. And I found myself thinking I'd rather just Tatum take a contested <laughs> shot there. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I do think part of it is a lack of talent. Unfortunately, this, again, I kind of mentioned earlier that I, I feel like this is starting to look more and more like the Walker and Pierce uh, Celtics, where we only really had two guys that were reliably able to score. Um, just looking at like our, so, I mean, ideally you'd want to have those guys surrounded by elite shooters who can knock down shots, like a, a Seth Curry type or Go something. Yeah. And just looking at our, our roster right now, weirdly, our our, our top three-point shooters, Jeff Teague, 42%, Grant Williams, 41%, but neither of those guys I feel like I want taking shots <laughs> no. down the stretch, yeah. really.
2: Well, being on the car, like, <laughs> then, uh,
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then Peyton Pritchard has been shot over 40% this season from three, and he's someone who I, I keep wanting to see him get more and more minutes. I mean, he's looking decent, but We really don't have any reliable guys outside of those two. And if Kemba's not going to be playing some of these games, then it's tough. I mean, it's a tough thing because you want to have a balanced offense if you have the talent to do it. But right now it does seem like, ah, just giving it to Tatum and Brown and stepping out of the way might be our best option, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, so this kind of segues into the next post. This is by user ACAT20, and they write, in surprising news, our ISO heavy offense is very inefficient. They go on to say, so after watching Tatum clank another contested ISO shot early in the shot clock, I went to take a look at whether or not it's actually a worthwhile shot. And they've posted a link to basically the player isolation stats that are on uh, NBA.com. And they write, per the NBA stats by isolation play type, Jason Tatum is shooting 35.2% on 4.8 possessions per game. This excludes his quote unquote post up possessions where he's shooting 44.1% on 2.1 possessions per game. The real outlier is that he's only getting to the line 5.5% of the time on these ISOs, by far the lowest of anyone getting near that many possessions in the league. Jalen is also shooting a paltry 38.5% on his 1.8 ISO possessions. But it kind of goes back to what you were saying a second ago, LaBer. It's like, what the fuck else are they supposed to do? Like They've got Grant Williams and Jeff Teague out there with them half the time. Are they supposed to kick out to these guys? Like, are they supposed? To, do you see a solution there with the current personnel, or is this just feeding back into the trade deadline talk? Like, where do we go from here?
0: Oh, well, I—I would I'm curious what Jackson would say, but I mean, I—I I don't know with this curtain personnel. Those, it, also those, like you know, isolation has a little. Those isolation stats, those percentages, percentages being low for Tatum. Keep in mind, he gets way more defensive attention to anyone, and if he doesn't have a great supporting cast, then it's makes his job infinitely harder. So if he had some guys out there that were able to, you know, consistently knock down shots, that would change things. If And even like, you know, the thing I was I, I failed to mention before is even if you have a guy like Grant Williams and you have a guy like Semi Ojale shooting higher percentages, those guys aren't commanding any defensive attention at all. Nobody gives a fuck about yeah. them. They're not paying yeah. attention Me to included. them. Me so, included. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you'd be better off having a J.J. Redick who, you know, even if he's having a terrible season, at least he's a decoy. And it's like, oh, we got to, we have to defend him like nobody's paying attention to jeff teague right now so it makes it so much harder for tatum it's like what is he supposed to do what's brown supposed to do yeah so yeah i mean i do feel like we have to do something we have to make some kind of move to address the secret is just
1: getting Kemba more shots in the clutch i don't know I mean, I know he, you yeah, he clanked yeah. that one against the Lakers, but that was still—I think he was still coming back again from his from his knee, and that was like a broken down play. And he just was like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna take it now," Ugh, and um, didn't go in. But you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the, the secret's just getting Kemba more involved. I don't know. Yeah,
2: and I would love to see more. Obviously, I'm I'm not some sort of basketball X's and O's mastermind, but I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more uh, spot up opportunities for Kemba Walker. It seems like the majority of his shots, and I know it's by design because that's where he's been most successful in his career. But majority of his shots from three come off that sort of above the break um, pull up three, right? Sometimes Tyus or our Big will set a little pick for him as he's you know bringing the ball up, and it'll be a quick you know two three seconds into the shot clock pull up three. I'd love to see Almost like how I'm going to put out the name Steph Curry, but there's a lot of off-ball movement that Steph Curry employs in in the the Warriors' offense that uh, really opens him up for some really good shots. Once the defense adjusts to his on-ball game, where he'll sort of give the ball up and, and sort of run sort of an action through the middle and, and flare out off a, a screen to the to the corner. And either get a shot or be in a position to dribble and, and make a play. I'd love to see something like that for Kemba Walker. I, I just think that we we don't see... We don't put him in that position enough. And we talk about a lack of kick-out options. You know, smart really is our best kick-out option. And then it comes back down to, like you said, Lightbird, Grant Williams or Jeff Teague. If we can put Kemba in that sort of position to succeed in that sense, like he's got the shooting chops, I think he could be he could be effective there. But, um, you know... There's a reason he I don't uh, have a job he, he in basketball because I don't know what I'm
0: talking about. So, <laughs> I mean, just keep in mind, he did average 20 points for us in the playoffs this year. So, hey, you no, know, you can't you can't rely on just Tatum and Brown. You have to have someone step mm-hmm. up. So, if it's not going to be Kemba, then we need to trade for someone. You know, maybe you trade Kemba. There's people th- hoping that we trade Kemba for Vucevic. Maybe Vucevic fills that role. But <laughs> tonight we didn't we didn't have anyone. It was just Tatum and Brown. So, if you have this really really shallow lineup the shower uh, shallow rotation and and not much depth you need someone who's going to be the third guy and hopefully ask kemba if he stays and plays well
2: yeah now we've got two more to get to very quickly before we wrap this one up so this is posted by lightning fast 31 it's a woj bomb and it says sources houston is trading pj tucker Rodion's Kurooks, who I googled it, by the way, did get into some trouble there with his his Mm. partner. uh, And Buck's 2022 first-round pick back to Milwaukee for DJ Augustin, DJ Wilson, and a 2023 unprotected first-round pick. Houston also gets the rights to swap its 2021 second-round pick for Milwaukee's first-round pick. Unless it falls one to nine. You with me there? Sorry, that was a that was a huge garble of words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um The reason I wanted to bring this up is one, PJ Tucker was sort of an outlier in terms of a Celtics acquisition, but the main reason is the cost involved in acquiring PJ Tucker. Thirty-five going on thirty-six, if not thirty-six already you know, elder statesman of the league who hasn't really done, you know, hasn't done shit this year, let's be frank. Um, And yet they had to give up, you know, a series of first round picks and and players to to acquire him. Does this set the market price for the other guys we've been looking at? Does this sort of lower your expectations, Bird, in terms of what might happen during the trade deadline?
0: No, I mean, if you check the comments, all that, what you said, even you saying it out loud and me reading a couple of times and having trouble wrapping my mind around what that package yeah. was, but because because the Bucks are very, very good and the Rockets are really, really bad, what it really ends up being, the pick swap doesn't really matter because the Bucks aren't going to be, uh, the, the Rockets aren't going to swap with the Bucks. It makes no sense because they're going to be shitty and the Bucks are going to be good. So what it really ends up being is they're trading like their late first for a high, high second. So you're maybe moving back like 10 picks. That's really all the cost was. It's like we were moving back ten picks to get PJ Tucker. So a couple of people in the comments mentioned the same thing on Reddit. If you really look at the math of all that and how it works out, all it really is is they're potentially stepping back from like pick thirty to pick forty mm-hmm. to get PJ Tucker. So that the cost was actually not great. Okay. It was it was very small. So we shouldn't shouldn't worry about too much of that because again, like you said, PJ Tucker's thirty five. He hasn't done much. He's a he shouldn't he shouldn't have much value. So I actually would go the opposite way and say that that's a sign that the the trade value of these guys might not be as high as we thought. There was a point where someone was are you on Reddit that we should trade Neesmith for PG Tucker? And I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> you want to give up our lottery pick for a guy who's yeah. 35? And in reality, what ends up happening is like, no, we're just going to trade 30 for 40, more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah. I,
1: yeah. Any thoughts there, Jackson? I think the one thing that, that if if other GMs think, think we're desperate and the, the results would indicate a, a trade would, would, reek, would reek of that, then the asking price may go up. And I think, you know, going back to the the Drew Holiday trade that the Bucks made, that was more of of an egregious package, I think. But again, if it was like the guy that they wanted and they thought this is how it's going to work, then, you know, you don't worry too much about the picks, essentially. If you know it's the right guy and that's who you want, I think you should go after it. But as far as like the, the trade market going up, I think it always goes up. It's just exponentially been doing this, you know, a quick soccer analogy um you know the best player in the world seven years ago would cost you i don't know 20 30 million pounds or something like that you're not getting the, any of the top 10 players in the world now for like anything less than 100 and like 20 million pounds guys who are like you know just not even don't even move the needle or whatever like 50 60 million pounds so if you want to equate that to like an nba trade package we're talking like you know multiple firsts and you know role plays and stuff like that again i think it comes down to each individual gm and how they're playing the negotiating game with us or any other team for that matter but you know i i I do think the market
0: is is much higher and the the costs are a lot steeper for everybody now than they used to be Hmm. i just want to imagine danny Ainge sitting back in the beginning of the season and thinking, you know it'd be hilarious if if i don't do anything and they're forced to play grant williams and samuel (laughs) jillet And this team is going to suck all season. And then mid-season, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll trade for your lottery picks. But, haha, actually, in reality, we're a much better team. I want to believe that's the case. <laughs> I'd like that, we've, too. We've just pumped up the trade diabolical. value of our picks all season. <laughs> Absolutely diabolical. Uh, I'll believe anything
2: at this point. Uh, we've got we've got one more to get to. This is, again, posted by Horseshoe Overlook. Very, very active contributor to Celtics Reddit. And it's a news tweet, I guess you could call it, from Sham Sharania. New guidelines for vaccinated players. And the reason this is interesting is because the scapegoat for every unhappy fan base and probably the teams themselves uh, have been COVID and and the mental aspects, the mental impacts um, as such from COVID. So, sources, NBA, NBPA have agreed to new protocols for COVID-19 vaccinated individuals. They are no quarantine for exposure, no PCR tests on days off. Interact with any other person at home, not at a bar, club or lounge, but but at home. So, you can have guests over. Go to outdoor restaurants, four guests on road without prior testing which is huge, you know, in terms of family joining joining players on the road. Uh, mm-hmm. The NBA's fully vaccinated players, coaches and staffers can now also leave the hotel room at any time, which is insane. You think about all the road games we've had and our guys being stuck in there in the hotel room the entire time. Mm-hmm. They can attend in-person marketing events, have in-person team meetings. PCR testing can be earlier in the day, so before 5 p.m. and no masks at the practice facility. So this is huge. And, you know, uh, I don't want to sound too spiteful but unfortunately, all of our competitors will also benefit from this. Hmm. But um, it's, a, it's a huge turning point for, you know, the, obviously the folks in the US. So, you know, Labird uh, and co. Um, but also just we've got quite a young team. We've talked about it all year. And this would be a huge mental weight on these guys and to finally, you know, this isn't the end of it, but it's clearly light at the end of the tunnel. And that alone could be a a huge, um, you know, lift off the weight of the shoulders of these guys. So, um, this came out today, guys.
1: What what were your immediate thoughts, Jackson, on on seeing this news? Um, I thought about the, there was the, the Bill Simmons, Jackie McMullen podcast uh i think like a, about a week ago or maybe just under a week ago and they went into like depth of like how many people who work for the teams are just so miserable and just so over the COVID, yeah. the covid protocols and and how it's having like like big you know sort of mental effects on on everybody so i think even if this like is beneficial for everyone in the league and even if that you know doesn't necessarily give the celtics the edge i think any net positive is 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 great and i think if it's just one less thing they have to worry about and it just makes them feel a lot a lot more freer and a lot more yeah you know less less shit that they have to go through and 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 they can focus on their game a bit more without having this you know this cloud of you know quarantine and what if i get covid sort of hanging over me um then that's great i i don't think you know it's still possible that if they relax this, it, it blows up in their face and know uh, that there's another outbreak or whatever, but I guess that's what the vaccine's there for. It's there to to, you know, to stop this stuff from happening. So I, I trust that the NBA has looked into this enough and they're confident enough. You know, They've been pretty cautious and the bubble was a, a great success, I think, in terms of you know, exposure and whatnot. So, if they feel like that they've got the data and they've got the information that this is a good idea and they can do this and it does lead to an overall morale boost for everyone in the NBA, not just the Celtics, then that's wonderful. You know, that's really, really good to see. And obviously, having fans coming back in is going to be the next frontier. And I think that that's when we'll start to get back to, you know, you know the NBA that we really, really, really love to see. And I think it'll definitely uh, reflect
0: in performances as well do tatum and smart count as uh, vaccinated already because they've already got got the (laughs) 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 i I, like i don't they they said i think they were saying they weren't going to skip any lines but it sounds like as of may 1st at least that's what i was reading biden said that as of may 1st all all americans will be eligible to get it i still haven't like i'm not able to do it right now i just checked earlier and it's still there's all sorts of like tiers and priority lists of who's able to get the vaccine but yeah like you said just everything getting back to normal good thing Maybe Tatum and and, uh, Smart can go hang out with people and stuff now.
2: Yeah, I I messaged uh, EliteSpeak, a well-known Celtics Reddit mod the other day saying like, hey, are you planning to go to any of the games once you're allowed back? And she was like, yes, absolutely. And I was like, great, you need to come on the podcast Mm -hmm. as soon as you've done that. We'd love to hear from you like what that experience was like attending a Celtic game. Definitely still in the middle of a huge global pandemic. What was that like? Even just like, because it's... um just some crazy uh, it's like a, a science fiction story uh getting into like being let in based on your vaccination status you know and like having to present a certificate or a qr code or whatever it is it's uh it's very bizarre and then just watching the game with partial fans i'm, I'm very curious to hear about what that's like so hopefully we can get Leeds speak on uh to talk about that that's gonna do it for this one i think we're i think we're done there and look chin up celtics fans it could be a lot worse we could be the rockets <laughs> we've, we've got we've got fans coming back into td garden pretty soon jeff teague he won't be around forever. There's hope on the horizon, right, <laughs> Jackson larbird thirty-three. Any parting words of hope or encouragement or, or inspiration for the fan
1: base? Um, after <laughs> <laughs> <to> you, Larry. After <laughs> to you. It's tough, tough, to come by.
0: Nah, we're fucked. But I did want to say, Ben, I got your, uh, I got the care package from Australia. I want everyone to know who's listening. He sent me this really nice care package. It had uh, Celtics, uh, sweater, or, uh, and it had some basketball cards and some beers that I guess you had to, how did you get those for customs? What was the secret uh, there?
2: Cooking vinegars is what I put on. In the end. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Nice. And then there was, uh, some Vegemite and my, my wife was very excited about this. So the next morning she made me some breakfast, uh, and put some Vegemite on some toast and forced me to eat it. And then recorded me, expecting me to like you know throw up or something I, I didn't give her the reaction she wanted i think i was just like okay it's interesting It's yeah. trying to wrap my mind around it it's a little different but uh thank you very much i really really appreciate it that was really awesome oh, no you. worries
2: man look uh, i've sent a care package to to jackson and yeah. joe as well if, if you're a long-standing member of this podcast you you will get a care package so um okay. Let that, let that go out to all of the the known, you know, Celtics, like Bill Simmons, John Corrales. You know, if you join our podcast, you stick around for a couple of episodes, you will get a care package. So, it's nice. Oh, and there was some, Come
1: on, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
2: You get a,
0: I also sent him a VP. And there was some... Uh... <laughs> there was some uh, some quidditch or critic uh cricket uh, collector's <laughs> cards in there <laughs> thank you very much for the quidditch you're very welcome yeah yeah so i didn't know they i didn't know they had you know collector's cards for for cricket if That's you hold cool. on
2: to them long enough they'll probably be more valuable than all your top shot moments so <laughs> right <laughs> all right folks thank you for listening subscribe to the podcast add a comment to the reddit post for the show we love hearing from you guys from our listeners we'll be back in a week or so until next time go celtics peace